0: And I went to hit and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I had scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and am I coming I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. From the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. This is the Reform Faith and Family Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Reform Faith and Family Podcast. We are your hosts as usual, Caleb and Lindsay Stomberg. Hello! Today is uh, episode 8 of season 2 and we are doing a bit of a season within a season, uh, going through a series on spiritual disciplines and trying to just give some food for thought to our listeners on uh, different ways that we maybe have evolved in our thinking or our practicing of some different spiritual disciplines and uh, for some maybe... You know, be thinking through this for the first time, and for others just always trying to grow uh, in in the spiritual disciplines as they try to grow in their walk with Christ.
1: Yes, and I just want to give a quick reminder to our listeners, whether you're new to listening to us or have been with us for a while, and we thank you for that, we would ask that you just leave us a five-star review and share uh, the Reformed Faith and Family podcast with your friends. That is actually Help more helpful than you realize to just get the word out um, about the podcast and just to let us know that we're doing a good job. Um, we don't know, uh, you know, exactly how people feel when they're listening to us. So sometimes it's nice to kind of get a, a gauge out there, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and something that if if we don't ever hear from you, uh, whether it's a hey, good job with this or. Uh, have you ever considered maybe trying this instead? It's not really seeming to get across well what you're wanting. Uh, either way is helpful. you know. Yeah.
1: And uh, if you have any suggestions for topics, we are all ears.
0: Right. This isn't just something that because we like to talk uh, and try to get other people to listen. We're really wanting to do something that can be helpful for, for God's people, both in our own church and uh, beyond that. Um, so we'd love to hear from you one way or the other.
1: And I'll just add, we also do have a website, reformfaithandfamily.com. If you go there, we actually have some free resources in our store. We have merchandise, and we have uh, just a really helpful area of our website where you can actually see resources that we recommend and have read ourselves. Uh, that is a really helpful um, is uh, just spot on the website where you can find things for homeschooling that I recommend as a, as a homeschooling mom, you can find um, the resources that Caleb recommends for uh, learning more about masculinity and even just growing in your faith. So just check that out too.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's one of the hard things with all the books that are out there, all the podcasts, everything else that's out there, it can be really hard to know what's worth investing your time into. We have a limited amount of time. So we're hoping that, um, some of the resources we've compiled over time that, that we, we often think would have been really nice to have had in our hands 20 years ago. Uh, but, you know, to help narrow things down a little bit for other people so they get a little bit better of a head start than we had.
1: Yeah, it was really a personal thing for us to actually make that resource uh, section of the website. So we hope that it is a blessing to you um, because the, all of those books on there have been a blessing to us.
0: Yeah, definitely. So this episode is, as we said, uh, part of our continuing look at spiritual disciplines, and uh, this week we are going to be focusing on the spiritual discipline of stewardship. And uh, hopefully, it's not too hard to see how that ties into the cold open when we read from the parable of the talents, um, knowing that you know that that's Jesus talking about different things with with kingdom citizens and with kind of the new the new development with, with the arrival of the kingdom of heaven and the way that things were changing. Um, you know, and specifically they're talking about talents, which uh, can be some of resources or money that, uh, and the expectation that somebody was, was faithful and diligent and, and went out and, and was productive with that. Um, and you know, as we're looking at stewardship, we're wanting to kind of focus on how that, that often can be, and does talk about money, uh, and what we do with financial resources. But, uh, it really, does with, with everything else that, that in English, we want to say talent means has to do more with our abilities, even though it really was talking specifically financially scripturally, but it also speaks to, uh, our gifts, uh, our, our abilities, the different things, resources that we have that are outside of financial things, that what are we doing with the things that God has given us? Uh, and how are we, how are we investing those things? How are we building on those things? Um, Are we just sitting on what God has given us and and hoping just to hand him back exactly what we were handed? Or are we really trying to expand and build and, and be a blessing for others and for the kingdom?
1: Yes, exactly. And I wanted to share a little bit about our personal journey with learning about stewardship. We really grew up in strong Christian families and both of our fathers were hard workers, but we were not really prepared for when we got married with the tools that we needed for wealth building or even just the whole leaving your children inheritance. Um, it just wasn't we weren't exposed to that example. Um, maybe you can expand on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, we were we were taught not to be stupid with money, so not not to go out and uh, buy things that we could clearly not afford or we, that we couldn't afford the payments for things like that. Not to not to go max out a bunch of credit cards and uh, you know just you know to stay stay away from bankruptcy. All the things that would mean that you could you don't pay back what you what you get. So you know there's some general cons- sense things like that, trying to live within your means. Um, work hard, uh, be diligent, All those things were there. so that's, that's, a, that's an excellent foundation and, and that's not to not to, to you know shake a stick at that. but I, I, we didn't have really any kind of concept of beyond trying to make a, a basic budget to make sure we could generally afford things. It wasn't much of a concept of, of planning for the future.
1: We didn't have a vision.
0: There, yeah we didn't have a, a real vision um, didn't really know how to get from kind of point A to point B to really try to to build things or, or improve things or, or to to have you know future generations be better off because of the decisions we made right you know so we had we had the idea that we want to make sure that you give our kids every opportunity they could and to support them along the way and encourage them so that they can uh, go out and be successful so we had we had that kind of sense that was instilled but um, not not a real plan on how do we really set them up.
1: Well, and I'll just throw this in because we, we did go through like a Dave Ramsey class before we got married. And so we knew the basic principles of don't go into debt, you know, make enough money to pay your bills, that kind of stuff. And so we actually never, we never dealt with debt. Um, but something that we weren't, we found Dave Ramsey lacking in was just for those who weren't making enough money to we, we, we were always just getting by and that was kind of the, we were stuck in that circle of just getting by instead of learning how to get from point a to point B to improve.
0: And I think there's even a generational thing that, you know, the economy has changed. So, you know, there's a lot of animosity between the, you know, the boomer generation and, you know, the millennials, Gen Z, Gen X, you know, different, you know, there's some overlap there, but, um, there's some animosity there of, you know, some of the older generation looks and thinks, well, all the young people now are, they're just lazy. They're not working hard enough. They're not doing enough. And certainly there's a lot of younger generations that, that don't want to, that, um, have gotten used to, you know, government assistance or whatever else. And, you know, they do just fine sitting at home in their parents' basement, um, and they really haven't ever stepped out and tried. So there's a lot of people in there. So there is some valid criticism with there, but um, there's also, a, it's a very different story now that you had a generation before. I mean, it's not that long ago in our nation's history where you could be a gas station attendant and could afford a house and support your family. You might not be on the on the wealthy end of middle class. You might be lower class, but you could still afford a home. You could, you could support a family off of one income and doing something that didn't make a ton of money. Uh, things have changed now where... Um, in many parts of the country, even if you have a really good job, you can't afford a home. Uh, and, and, you know, it's really difficult for families to try and to not have to rely on two different full-time incomes just for some, the basic kind of things, for a, a moderately priced home, um, vehicles that function well, you know, that kind of thing. And if you try to try to follow what, you know, the boomers were mostly used to of one person just working one full-time job, uh, and being able to to support you know a stay at home wife and, and who can look after the kids and and all that kind of stuff that that's just not realistic for most people now for most jobs because um, the you know the pay hasn't increased in most sectors you know and corresponding to what house prices and all the other kind of expensive and up so it, there's there's some of those things that I think you know there's few past generations that. Uh, we're doing well, and we're able to hand something down for for people after them, and expecting that if things continued as they were, um, then it wouldn't be a problem. But we're, we've we've kind of hit a point where there's some greater challenges financially, and with just with it with the market is set up, and the jobs, and everything else now that you can't just rely on just going getting a, a normal just job and 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 just working that faithfully and being able to set up your family or be able to af- afford the normal kind of things that you need. So there better planning and, and better vision is needed now. And that's not something that not a vision we were given.
1: And we're not saying that women can't stay home. We're actually just ta- we're going to be talking about getting that vision so that you can keep the wife home to care for the children and the husband working there. That that model can still be done, but it has to you have to do it creatively.
0: Well, and we would argue that not not only can be done, but should be done and should be the goal for Christian families, but it's no longer the expectation in society. When society functioned, where most families were expected to have one person going out and being the breadwinner, and you needed one average salary to be able to to pay for a house and whatever vehicles were needed and all that kind of stuff— Now, surely we have, over the generations, gotten just ridiculous with our consumerism and all the things we think we need now. That's definitely part of the problem. But it's also true that our economy is no longer structured in such a way that it it expects a single income to be able to afford a, a moderate house. Um, and, you know, even just the basics that are necessary for life and, and for holding a job and functioning within society. That, that's no longer the expectation. So everything now is modeled essentially on two incomes. Uh, and and in, the, in the state we're in now, it's not even that it's just modeled on that. With runaway inflation and just the kind of problems we're seeing now in our economy, at least in the, in the U.S., uh, it, it's getting increasingly difficult Uh, to just to try and keep things going in a positive way. So it requires then more forethought. It requires then, you know, different kind of planning and and strategic sacrificing in order to try and not just survive, but to to put give our our children to thrive and to give our children a path uh, where they'll be able to, to survive and to be strong and and ultimately, you know, you go through times and and we don't know how how dark this time is going to get before things get better, um, or what that's going to look like. But th- there, whatever hardship that you face, uh, there is going to be a time when that turns around. And those who were able to weather it the best are going to be really well suited to thrive in the aftermath. And that mean, we'd like to be able to think that we could um, be a part of setting up our, our children or our grandchildren or great grandchildren, however long that might last, to be in a position to have weathered the storm uh, and, and to be you know, robust to be, uh, the, the term a lot of people use is anti-fragile. And I think that's a, that's a good way to look at it. That it's not just trying to say that we're trying to make everybody rich, but how, how, do we, how can we be wise with what we have? Uh, and right now we're looking largely financially, but this would apply elsewhere. Wise what we have so that we're not fragile, so we don't so quickly crumble and fall uh, when the normal pattern we were came to expect uh, changes when things aren't as easy for one generation as it was for the for the previous one.
1: Yeah, no, we definitely have gone through, and I feel like it's really just been in the last few years we've been very convicted about how just it was actually after we I think it was after we read Vodi um family driven faith is kind of when this really started for us about just getting a vision for the family, and that's sh- uh, as we've read as we've read more, as we've been exposed to more, just realizing how that and wealth go together and capturing this vision. um, It just, it's all tied up with principles of stewardship. So understanding what, um, even how wealth is portrayed in the Bible, and it's very different than how we think about it today. So I was talking with you earlier about how just how we need to actually view, because this is, it's biblical of our children and the generations that come after us are actually considered like a wealth factor in the Bible, right?
0: Oh, d- definitely. That, that's one thing our, our culture has gotten really backwards. And, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, Bauckham, that Bakum had a major role in getting us to really realize we needed a multi-generational vision for our family um, but admittedly, it took it took years after that to really think right. of, to to realize that uh, the wealth side of that and the money side of that uh, really was important too. Because partly because we had such um, an aversion to kind of any kind of wealth, health, prosperity gospel type teaching, uh, we and we had just always associated anything to do with uh, with Christians prospering or teaching about prospering as an, an element of that falsely, then. We kind of bypassed all, all the the promises of blessings and, and in in Scripture that God had given to people with with faithfulness. That you know the promise of blessing that would follow faithfulness. Uh, we we had really not focused on there, and probably some change in eschatology and other things too that have factored into where that's become a part of our vision or part of our, our necessary part a part of that. Um, but it, it's it's taken time because it it's not. What most evangelical kind of churches look like, and it's and it's certainly not what our culture talks about, and when it when it looks at you know the purpose of of money or or having children and seeing children uh, as as uh, a blessing um, and expecting blessings for faithfulness.
1: Well, let's define what health, wealth, prosperity gospel is real quick, because I think it sometimes gets muddled. And really, that is a different gospel. It's a works-based gospel. Like, I'm going to do this, and then I'll get this. And that's not biblical. When we think of the Proverbs, um, and we should believe what God's Word says, that if, I mean, over and over again, not even just in Proverbs, but just God blesses those who follow after him, um, who seek him. And when we look at Proverbs and we look at those promises, well, someone who is righteous, it means that they're humble and they're going to be looking at those promises, not thinking, well, if I do this, God's going to give me this wealth. They're thinking, I'm, you know, they come to it with humbleness and any blessing, whatever measure, because God is varied in his blessings, they're thankful and not envious of others for different blessings. Is that a good way to phrase
0: it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it part of the reason that the whole health, wealth, prosperity thing, why that's so alluring is because there's elements there that are, aren't untrue. You know, an expectation of faithfulness and faithfully following God and that there's an expectation that that would bring blessings in our life and that even financial blessings would follow through with that. Um, that That's biblical. You can't, you can't read through Scripture, especially you can't read through the Old Testament. And not come away saying that, that you know through the pro you mentioned Proverbs uh, time and again that that there are blessings and promises attached to faithfully following after God, uh, just like there's curses for for not being faithful. I mean that's a clear thing through through the through the old covenant through the Old Testament, where that gets perverted uh, in, in, mo- in a lot of modern kind of teaching is that it's it's really not associated with. So much actual faithfulness to God and sacrificing the things of this world and living for Christ and desiring good things for Christ and building for the kingdom—it's—it's this—it's it's, um, associated with, you know, sacrificing or, or sacrificially giving to an individual or to a ministry that you are building somebody's kingdom uh, in trust that then God will build your kingdom, and that's really the kind of way that it works with, with um, you know, the name and claim kind of stuff the. The a lot of those televangelists you'll see, it's like, you know, the, sow the seed of faith. You know, if you just sow the seed of faith and and give so much money to this thing, then just trust that God's going to bless you big. Or that if you'll just do this for my ministry or for this church, um, and then, you, then you should just believe that if you believe hard enough, then God's going to give you that promotion. He's going to give you that new car. He's going to give you that bigger house. And and it's really, it's, a, it's an exchanging of whose kingdom are we building? Like if you sacrifice to build the, the leader's kingdom, then God's gonna do something for building your kingdom, and that that's not what we see biblically. biblically. Biblically, we see that people that are following after God and and laboring and working towards the the advancement of His kingdom. Um, you know, the the servants that are investing what God has given them because they want to be able to present more to their master to to do more for for God's kingdom. That's where there's the expectation. Okay, then this is going to come with blessings, and things are going to be multiplied, and God's going to pour back into that. And, and yeah, that's going to go for the good of the individual. So there is something to that. We should expect good things when we follow in faithfulness, um, but those aren't good things that are just going to give us lavish lifestyles and just pour on the material goods and, and uh, worldly kind of things. It, it's, it's blessings that, you know, blessings of children, blessings of um, both physical or spiritual children, um, blessings of, of the advancing the advancement of God's kingdom, seeing um, neighborhoods, cities, you know, regions, states, countries changed uh, by the power of the gospel. Uh, you know, be able to see institutions started, grown, and built. You know, the 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 cathedral mindset versus just you know the um, the, the straw hut kind of thing. You know, you're building for something bigger. That it's it's those kind of promises that that follow, and it's where it's deceptive because it, it's there's an element of expecting from God, expecting big things from God, but it's expecting big things from God that He's going to do for His kingdom's sake, uh, and we we enjoy benefit through that as we are part of His kingdom uh, and, and see the normal way of creation work through that. Um, but it's not someone that most evangelicals want to look at, and, and and if people that at least don't have some kind of a Optimistic bent in their eschatology, they're probably not going to hear it at all, because we've been taught for so long that things are just going to get worse, and Christians do nothing but suffer in this life and should expect um, things just to be really bad. That the culture is going to get darker. You know, Christians are going to be persecuted more. You're going to be in more and more suffering, and that's just that's just your lot in this life till Jesus comes again, and it's going to happen very soon. So just pray that it all falls apart. You know that that kind of defeatist mentality doesn't do a whole lot for saying now take take what God has given you and invest it expect that um, over you know generations of faithfulness that God will build and grow and bless
1: Well what is it that you always say about the way our our economy and the last few generations have been set up that all we're doing is building now um, so that when we retire we can eat up our wealth. And then the next generation has very little or nothing to start to to begin with, versus a biblical mentality would be to earn and grow and expand, and then you hand that over to your children so that they can expand on it more, and yeah. then it just multiplies with faithful generations who continue to build upon that.
0: Yeah, and, and you're right that that's that's a that's a, a model for. For success and for growth, long-term success and growth is is to to spend your time, your your productive years, building, growing, uh, investing, pouring into the next generation, so that they can not have to start over for themselves, but they can start way ahead and then continue to grow from there. But it's not even that we're just, you know, on, on an individual level. Um, yeah, we're the the most common pattern now is people that. Um, they work through their productive years to pay first to pay off their debt that they took on trying to just get the degree or whatever to get the job or to get the house that they wanted because it was so expensive or they wanted more than they could afford or And then they you know, they try to pay off and then they try to earn enough so that they can relax uh, in their golden years. Um, that's what individuals do now. Um, but as a society, we're much worse than that. As a society, we're actually, continually robbing from future generations and that's, you know, our national economy, that's, that's what we do. We, we continue to go in greater and greater debt, Uh, things that were supposed to be promises for future generations um, are continually just, you know, whittled away at. And we, we continue to say that, you know, punt the ball down the field, that it's somebody else's problem to deal with later. Uh, We want to make it easier for ourselves right now. We don't want to have to suffer now uh, we expect somebody else to come later and figure it out because we won't be there. And that's that's really the way our our, our government and our economy is, is driven right now is that it's somebody else's problem because we want it to be easy for us now. Uh, and that is a wicked, wicked mentality, a wicked way to be. Uh, there There is absolutely no stewardship involved with that, that we really ought to have the mindset where we are working so that the next generation and the generation after that are in a better place. So if there's suffering to be done, we ought to be wanting to take that on now because either we take that on now or it's going to be worse later on when, it, when it's unavoidable. Um, so yeah, as, as, our, as a nation, as a culture, we are absolutely pushing that off and, and forcing future generations to suffer uh, more greatly than we would today or what they would have a generation ago had they decided to deal with it then which is, is exactly the opposite of what, what good stewardship would be.
1: This whole conversation has reminded me that I really did not want to leave off without talking about, because we're talking about preparing um, our our wealth our blessings for the next generation and part of that is doing some really practical things like setting up a will to protect your family that's something we did very early on um, just because we were so concerned that with having as many kids as we were having that we wanted to make sure they were taken care of in the event that Caleb and I both passed away um, and orphaned them Uh, and so things like planning via a will is a way to care for your family, but also just getting your finances in order. And a lot of people like us, we didn't know how to do that um, early on and have had to learn the hard way in many instances of how to get those things in order. But we are no experts and we are very much still learning and in some ways feel like we're still at the beginning and, um, stage of learning. And so there are Christian experts out there in the financial world who are more than willing to take time to teach people how to care for their finances, how to set up a will, how to get life insurance going for your family, all of those things that are very necessary to take care of the next generation in our day and age. Uh, And so one of the people that we have worked with is Joe Garracy at backwardsplanningfinancial.com. We have worked with him. We know other people who have worked with him and have really benefited from his knowledge in the area of financial planning, um, both for uh, retirement plans, for life insurance, uh, for will planning, all of that stuff um it, we really recommend going to backwardsplanningfinancial.com and just some he has a really easy submission form to fill out and we'll have a conversation with you if you're interested I mean he's very quick to respond too. but um if uh, if that is something that really would appeal to you and your family and you feel like you need that we recommend him wholeheartedly
0: yeah definitely and you know, there's there's a lot more that could be said in, in that kind of stewardship and multi generational aspect, and I'm sure we'll touch on things that you know in the future as we continue to learn. Um, but we did want to take some time and, and just talk about you know with with um, stewardship how that applies to how we give and and to pour into our church, the local church. So thinking of uh, you know tithes, offerings, that kind of that kind of conversation. How can we be uh, generous and and cheerfully generous uh, to give of what we have, even though that maybe every impulse in our bodies might be telling us either to to either spend now and live the best we can now, or to try to save every every cent because we don't have a lot and we know we're we're going to struggle to give to future generations. But any even even so to be able to faithfully give generously to to the to the church and to those who are in need because uh, that clearly is also a part of biblical stewardship.
1: Yes, no, I agree and that's it. that is the thing with stewardship. We always just uh, it's tends to just be the thought that it has to do with money. But we're stewarding like you said at the beginning all of God's blessings to us. This whole idea of being intentional in how we live and what we do and we should be intentional with our money. We should be biblically intentional with our money. And that means that we're planning for our families. We're, um, intentionally, um, handling our money in a biblical way, which means giving, um, cheerfully, uh, and to the poor, um, to our church. And when we think of tithes, we often think of the Old Testament principle of tithing. And I do know that we have, um, Thought different ways about this in the past, and we grew up with the um, idea that a ten percent tithe was uh, firmly biblical. But we do know that there are um, different theological views, or that how maybe doc- doctrinal views. Maybe I use the wrong word. There. Yeah, there's
0: just different different perspectives in that because you know, if you really do try and do a deep dive of like when it, the tithing system and what was expected of uh, Israel in the Old Testament um, versus. Uh, what does it look like if you don't have uh, the the theocracy that they had then, or the monarchy that they had once they had a king?
1: Like the percentages of the tithe that were going to different yeah, there's things. there's different because
0: that really that what you saw there was what they were commanded to give um, was sub you know was both the what was needed for the temple you know the ministry of, of the sacrifices and stuff at the temple the, you know, to, to care for the the priestly class. Uh, but it also then all the, any kind of social program or government kind of stuff. So all that stuff was tied in. So it was kind of like, you know, supporting both supporting the, the church or, you know, the ministry, uh, and, um, the government. <laughs> so it was like taxes and, and, um, offerings all together. So, I mean, it was a different system. Um, and you know, we're not going to take the time to really try and make anybody decide anybody's minds up about that issue today. But the New Testament is absolutely clear that people were still called to give, um, to support uh, the local pastors, uh, to, to not muzzle the ox, to, to, to enable those, you know, those who um, those are worthy of double honor, who do well at teaching and laboring to study and, and prepare the word, uh, as well as to give to, to ministry for the widows and orphans uh, through the church's supports or to support other churches. Uh, as offerings were gathered. And we read about that in different epistles, offerings being gathered in one congregation to go and bless another congregation or to send missionaries on their way. So a lot of things that required money, um, not just prayers, not just you know a service day, but requiring just money to be able to to, to go along to, to provide for uh, the work of ministry and the advancement of the kingdom. And that, that's all throughout the New Testament. So there's uh, there's there's no room for an argument that we're not still called to give, um, and the New Testament says not only just to give, but to give cheerfully and to give sacrificially. So um, even if we don't talk percentages there, that, that is something there that, that, that must be a pri- priority to give, uh, to bless others, and that shouldn't be just an afterthought of once I've paid all the bills and done all the things I want to do, uh, I'll throw in you know, loose change into a bucket and that'll be what I give. Um, now it's something that should be you know, at the first fruit, you know, that there's still, I think, a, a common principle there with, with that in the Old Testament that the first of what we had goes to, to God and the things of God. And then we take care of other things and we trust that God will bless and continue to provide for us. So I think there's still good principle there. Um, but prioritizing that we do give, uh, and and the bible also helps us to prioritize who we give to or how we give there. So um there's been a lot of times that I I've I I've, I've um had to tell people no in times where they were asking for money for something that seemed like a good cause or times where I've really been pressured to give to some kind of donation of something or you know whether it's at work and there's a, a common charity that that they give to at work and that they, you know the employer says they'll match a certain amount and I have, I have upset people multiple times and said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, when I give, I'm going to give through my local church because that's where I feel called to give through. And that's, the, that's supporting ministries that I'm comfortable with. Um, that's where I, I have the greatest need to give to. Those are the people that I'm called to sacrifice for first. Uh, and and I'll, I'll trust the church then to, to distribute what we have beyond the needs of our body uh, to, to missionaries, to other churches, to the community, whatever else at large. Um, there's a number of times I've, I've said that, and I think that's actually good stewardship to say no to the extra kind of things. And if you have money to do both, then I'm not saying you can't, but um, most of us or many of us are, really have to be careful about where we put money and stuff. And not only that— um, even if you want to just be extra generous, so many of the charities that exist out there support things like Planned Parenthood or you know they're supportive of things that that are heinous to Christians. Um, so you can't even trust that, that someone that's supposedly a good cause is going to give money where it's actually you know honoring to God and not just advancing you know godless ideologies and, and systems. So uh, you know, so prioritizing there where stewardship can both be, where it is on our priority list and then where it goes to first and where where we make sure it goes to be diligent that it it's used wisely.
1: You know, I was even thinking about how we ought to be diligent in our paying of taxes not to pay more than we absolutely have to simply because they're using our tax money for all the wrong things and funding all the wrong things versus we could give that money to our church instead and fund right things.
0: Yeah, any, any loophole that you can use, anything you can get a hold of to get out of taxes to the legally. maximum ability you can. Uh, and I'm going to say legally, even if there's a part of me that wants to go beyond that.
1: I was thinking more so we just don't get kicked off.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I'm not, not commending anybody's go break their conscience or go break the law here. But anything you can do to keep money out of the hands of our federal government, you are doing well. Um, because they use it for all manner of wickedness and the advancement of evil uh, and wicked ideologies and, and pagan deities and all those kind of things, even though they don't call them that. Uh, it's absolutely what they're doing. So, yeah, that it is not um, uncharitable or, or unchristian to try and withhold money from the government where you can do so, because you know what they will do with it. Um, there is nowhere that money gets wasted more frequently than within the government body and that's not just an american thing that that happens everywhere and we may not even be the worst with that but it certainly happens here um so that that's definitely a thing and i I know i've heard from uh, joe garrison on on some different um, podcasts and stuff where he's been interviewed by some different people that he actually knows a lot of ways to maximize um because there's even different ways there'd be questions you could ask him if you're somebody that has has actually quite a bit of money. Uh, there are some ways that are better than others to give money to a church. You have a large sum of money or you have um, your your offering that you're going to give is a large sum of money. There are ways that you can do that that can maximize the amount of you know tax incentive type things that there are for you in the church. Uh, there are ways to do that that are better. So, Um, he might be a good guy to talk to about something like that.
1: (laughs) Backwardsplanningfinancial.com. Yeah,
0: definitely. He's he's a a, a smart man with that, and he's got a good head on his shoulders. Uh, He also agrees that we don't want to give our government anything more than we have to. Uh, The more that we can keep in our own pockets, the more that we can use to to bless uh, the kingdom of God and to advance the kingdom, Um, we are all better off for it.
1: Well, and because you're a pastor, I'll even uh, maybe just bring the floor open for talking a little bit about churches, stewardship of finances. Is there anything that you would like to share encouraging for that?
0: Uh, just that it's an absolute necessity to, to be wise with money. Um, there's a lot of things. And transparent. Trans- transparency is a huge one there. Um, that, something that we've tried very hard to do. We're, we're a young church and it's a small church. So there's, we're not talking huge dollars and cents kind of thing going on there, but uh, someone, we want to be very open and transparent about what money comes in uh, and what's done with it, that there's, there's never, you know, questions on that, that there's uh, multiple voices that go into the spending of the money that comes into the church. Cause um, those who have the checkbooks are, are really entrusted with, with a great, um, Privilege and a great um, weight of responsibility by the congregation to to do good things with that, and, and that to be very careful about what things as a church you support. Um, as, as we're a small church, so we we don't have we haven't sent out missionaries. Uh, we don't have enough close connections with individual missionaries to just be directly supporting ministry of of those kind of things. But we also feel very much called to support missions and to support those who are going out and bringing the word to, to all the world. So um, we were very intentional about setting up and we, we support uh, missions through HeartCry Missionary Society because we trust men like Paul Washer and the other guys that are a part of that organization, and, and it's been vetted, um, and so we trust what they're doing and, and that the gospel message they're bringing, the, the way that they pour into local congregations to raise up local pastors and local churches all around the world and to equip them and to bless them to go out and do that and to take on the ministry and um, with the right gospel. So things like that, that, that's I think it's a much more effective means uh, of using our money Uh, to that degree, then it would be, um, just to try and go find out, go find some missionaries or just trust, you know, somebody's second cousin knew somebody that that's a missionary somewhere and that you've got no ability to really understand what they're doing. There's no accountability. So that's just one area like in missions, but you could take that into a lot of other realms of, of how do you give? And, and, um, we do have some, you know, local ministry things that we give to regularly, but, um, Sometimes it's a way that if you, you can do different events or drives to to make money in uh, some creative ways to support local ministries that um, aren't quite the same strain if you don't have um, regular giving amounts or those kind of things to go off of yet. So there, there's ways you can be creative with that too, but you should know where the money's going uh, and be able to be transparent with that uh, and try to focus on the things that um, scripture would seem to, to to call a church to focus on, which is, and this is going to sound self-serving because I am a pastor, but it, it's those who labor well for the for the preparing of the word and the studying of the word and the, and the preaching of the word um, to support your pastors, um, not to not to keep them uh, in, in poverty. If you have the ability to get them out of poverty, uh, to support them, to to free them for that work, uh, and that that should take higher priority than a lot of the side kind of things that, that sound nice or look nice. And, um, you know, as much as I want to, I, I want to be a, the kind of Christians that build cathedrals, uh, that's something that, that takes time and, and maybe being patient on buildings or different things like that, um, so that you can lay some foundation and take care of the people that are, that are doing the work of the ministry is, is important there too.
1: Uh, before we close, I wanted to just give some encouragement to those who might be thinking, well, I, you know I have a vision because this is where we were. <laughs> we have we have a vision um, but we we don't know what to do with our finances, whether they're a mess or maybe they're just you don't feel like they're enough. Um, you, calling back to the verses that you read in the beginning, you you have to be found faithful with a little before God will give you much. Is that a good paraphrase?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a, lo- a lot of times we're guilty of saying, well, we want these big things. So if God would give me these big opportunities, these big responsibilities, then I would do really good with that. Um, and, you know, it's it's the kind of idea that, like, if God would just give me that full-time pastoral position, um, then I would just be such a faithful um, a faithful counselor and, and preacher and, and student of the word. And I would do all the things if I had that. Um, but that's not how God typically works. It's those who are faithful with, with the smaller things. So you might desire, you know, the, the big, big thing you might desire to be the guy who's preaching every week and to have all those opportunities. But if you're not faithful in the, in the smaller opportunities and in the teaching and in, in different op- ways or the counseling in different ways, um, you shouldn't really be expecting God to bless you with in bigger ways, and and money is the same kind of thing that, you know, say, well, I, I just I want to be the guy who just gives millions of dollars a year to to all the kind of stuff that I want to be the one who donates ninety percent of my paycheck to the work of the kingdom, and I'll just live off of like a million, and 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 I'll give the rest of it, you know, to God, or I'll live off of a hundred thousand and give give the rest of it to God. If you just make me a millionaire, I'd do it. Um, well, that that's lofty kind of speech in your head, and that might sound nice, but if you're not faithful with with the fifty thousand he's got, he's given you now, um, and you're not doing things, try to be faithful to small things, or or then you shouldn't expect that he's going to give you the more. You're wasting the little he's given you. Um, that's not the mark of a good and faithful servant. God blesses those who have been faithful with what they have been given, and then he will increase that. And that's not always. That doesn't always mean that if you're really, if you really stretch that dollar, and you're faithful with that with that amount, that he's going to make you rich. But he will he will bless you in different ways and give you more opportunities and entrust you with more for the advancement of his kingdom and the and for the good of his people. Uh, and that that's the way he works. So um, even if you don't have much, be faithful with what you have. If you can't give much, be intentional about what you can give can give now and and be diligent to try to try to find ways that you can give more later, or maybe you can't give for a while and you just need to be faithful that you don't have to be supported. Or, you know, there's a lot of different ways it can look, you know, finances is one element that you can be faithful in giving of your of your money. Um, if you don't have money to give, maybe you have some time to give and you can be faithful with the time you can give and in pouring into the lives of other people and, and being generous with your wisdom and your time. Um, but take what God has given you and, and use it for the good of the kingdom. Use it to bless the church. Use it to bless other believers. Use it to bless people in your neighborhood, uh, and believe that as you are faithful in those things, that God will give you.
1: And this ties so well into what we talked about in our last episode about service. Um, if you don't feel like you have enough income to give as much as you would like to give, you can still give money cheerfully, but God has given you other gifts as well. He's given you time and you can give of your time too and do that cheerfully as well. So when we talked about service in the last episode, we talked about showing hospitality to people. If you know someone in the church who is ill, take them food. Um, If you know someone who is a shut-in, go and spend time with that elderly person and just give give of your time and it will bring a smile to their face. Um, if you have older children, uh, older daughters, they could go and, um, help a, a new mom and babysit for her or or fold her laundry. That's actually a really big deal guys. Um, and then, um, if you have older sons, they could go mow someone's yard that needs mowing that maybe couldn't do that themselves because, they are disabled or just out of commission for a while, and so there's lots of ways that we can steward all of our blessings and be intentional with all of our blessings um, in a way to serve others um, and and give cheerfully in additional ways to giving money cheerfully.
0: Right, and and the one thing I just want to put on there um, that do not forget that your home is the primary in the first place that you're going to, to be able to live out all these kind of things. And sometimes we, we're we not blessed with opportunities outside the home because we're not faithful in the home.
1: That's a really good point.
0: So um, do not go and spend all your time being you know a blessing to those out in, in the community or whatever else if you are neglecting your children. Um, being a blessing to those around you is great and good, commendable commanded as you are able um, but commanded before that is to to be diligent with your children to train your children to be there for your children to equip your children so 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 and even with so we, we talk about these kind of things that there's there's some of these things are season of life issues and some of these things are just maybe God hasn't blessed you in a way that you can focus on different areas that you might like to and those are good things but to start you know it's part of starting simple and small is starting most towards the central the center of those concentric circles of what we're called to and, and who we're supposed to devote ourselves to in this life so start with you know serving and being diligently faithful towards all that you've been given to serve your your spouse and your children and your parents uh, even as adults to, to honor and, and care for and serve your parents and that that's that's the inner circle that's first um, and then, as you're being diligent and faithful there with your finances and everything else there, uh, then as you are able beyond that, then, you know, make sure that you're giving to the church and helping all those people in the church and the community and so forth there. But, um, we never want to advocate or make anybody feel guilty, uh, to the point where they are abandoning their family so that they can go out and do more public things or more things in the church to go broader so that they can, feel that they're being more righteous and doing those kind of things. If you're not being faithful with your family, then then you're not being faithful if anywhere else.
1: The only qualifier I will put on that is I do know that some people, and you can correct me, but some people will say, okay, well, I'm, I haven't gotten the thing with my family figured out yet, so they'll put off giving to the church too long. The same way with um, having children. I don't have my finances in order yet, so I can't have children yet. So there is something to being just biblically minded that
0: No you're you're right. You're right. That and especially like you know, the last thing you mentioned, well, um, if we see children as a drain on our resources and as a liability, and we're gonna have all sorts of really unscriptural thoughts about that. Children are a blessing and are wealth to their parents. Um if we start thinking correctly about that, we might we might get that priority a little bit more clear. Um no you're right. It's not to say that you know, you need to be faithful in the small things, be faithful at home uh, before we presume that we're going to be blessed with opportunities to be faithful elsewhere is not to say you have to be perfect at home before you can go do anything elsewhere. Um, it, it's just a, there is a priority there that if you, if you, um, it, you are, you are always going to find, and, and in this life, there are always going to be things we wish we could do better um, at home in, in, in the church and, and, and beyond that. Um, but it's a matter, are we, are we being diligent and intentional and prioritizing things in the home and then still going out and doing some of those other things as we are able? So that's not, that's not a, an excuse to say, well, I I give nothing to the church because I don't have my kid's college fund fully financed yet. Uh, and, and we could say, what's that? (laughs) But, um, Sadly, <laughs> but it that, that that's not what we're getting at. You know, if your kids don't, if your kids haven't eaten, aren't having aren't having good food and are, you know quality meals before them, maybe you don't need to be going to make meals for other people yet. Um, but if your kids just don't get quite as much as they would want, or the quality of stuff they want, or maybe they don't get organic food this week, um, so that you can bring a meal to a shut-in or bring a meal to someone who just had a baby or someone who just lost a family member. That's okay. So sacrificing it, there's things you can sacrifice in the home.
1: I have actually made a nice meal for someone at church before and given our kids chicken nuggets. It's okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, make sure your kids are eating. Um, But if that means that they're getting chicken nuggets uh, instead of uh, the organic um, meal that you wanted to provide for them, so that you can be a blessing to someone else, that that's okay. That that's that's not what we're saying with prioritize your family. It's it's don't don't um, neglect those basic things that we're called to, thinking that we're going to get credit for doing the more showy things in public. We've got to be faithful in the home. And 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 as as we're able and as we're blessed, we need to be faithful uh, it, with a, as far reaching as we can be.
1: Yeah, and that's something ministry families fall into a lot, that habit. Um, just I grew up in a, a ministry family, and I'm not saying that my dad did this, but I saw this happen, where um, the ministry family is so involved in all that goes on in the church that then that internal life um, is missed uh, from from the individual family. And that's when you have, you know, pastor's children that— you know, go wild, or you have an affair happen that very sadly between the pastor and his wife. Um,
0: well, it had to be the pastor and someone else's wife. But. Sorry, but you know what I mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> pastor or his wife going. <laughs> it,
0: it, uh, a, a dear brother um, in his sermon from last week uh, said something that I think is true, but it should it, it forces us to ch- think a little differently. You know, he made the comment that in, in a sermon that it should be. It should be a rare thing when children of a faithful faithful believers abandon the faith or go wild or go astray. That that should be a rare thing, and you know, at at one at first look, we might look and they're like, well, that that's not realistic, because you know, you know, I've I've heard you know even Ken Ham say like seventy percent of kids leave leave the church from kids that are in church and. Um, you know the qualifier was faithful parents, but even you know none of us are perfect. But it should be a rare thing for pe- parents who are actually trying to be intentional with their kids. And part of I think where we get the problem here is is what you're talking about. It was people get uh, they lose focus about where their priority needs to be and where the and what it means to be faithful in the small things before we expect and try to be faithful and look faithful outside of that. That if we are faithful in the small things. And it does not mean perfection. It's are we training our kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Are we showing them that our faith is important, that, that spiritual disciplines are important, that, that our faith is real? Are we, are we leading them in worship in our homes? Are we, are we confessing our sins to them when we have wronged them? Are we being vulnerable before them? Are we being believable as Christians? That if, if we are doing those things and being faithful with them and investing into them, um, then the likelihood of them staying in the faith and God blessing through generations, as He loves to do, it, it is we should be expecting that. It shouldn't just be a, I hope, I hope, I hope that God will save my children. It should be I am ex, I am hopefully, um, hopefully expecting. You know, there it's hopefully optimistic is the word I was looking for. That God is going to save my children. Because he loves to bless through generations, and because I am seeking diligently to be faithful to what I am called to, to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to invest into them, to to do to steward what I have been given well with my family, uh, and to go up. and And um, if we if we neglect that because we're sacrificing our family on the altar of of uh, ministry, we shouldn't be surprised then when a lot of our kids go astray. Uh, so I, I think some there's an element there where. Because we've gotten that out of whack, and because we put so much a better emphasis on those big public things that other people can see, and downplay what's in the home, um, it's all too common.
1: But that's where you got to have a vision. If you don't have a vision, a biblical vision of what family ought to be and where you're going, you're going to lose it. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and again,
1: because our world's not going to help you find it. <laughs>
0: Again, have, have a biblical mindset and, and see what, what God has for you and for your family, see what God has, um, what how you can build, not just so that your kids will all say that they're Christian and be baptized, or if you're you know a, a baby sprinkler, sprinkle them as babies and, and get them confirmed as they get older, uh, but, but no, actually not just trying to see to get that so they'll, they'll call themselves Christian and we're just going to go home and say we're good, but to, to raise children that are, are, are built around a generational mindset so that they will pour into their children and then their children to the next generation. And we are, we are building a cathedral of a family line. So even if we don't have money to build the kind of physical infrastructure and buildings and institutions that we might like to see for Christendom, uh, we can build a cathedral through our family line uh, that, gets, that get, grows and grows and is more impressive and more beautiful generation by generation because of the faithfulness of God's people and God's blessing through generations. That, that should be our mindset and our vision, uh, and even if we don't know how to do that, we're just committed to doing a little bit better than what we are now and, and always moving in the right direction and being faithful with those small things financially, you know, spiritual gift-wise, time-wise, all that kind of stuff. Being good stewards of what we've been given, knowing that we've got a lot of faults, a lot of gaps, trying to close some of those gaps so that the next generation has fewer gaps and has more resources to work with so that they can be good stewards with the resources they have been given and, and you multiply that generationally. Uh, if you do that just a few generations and you do that with you know having a bunch of kids. So, so treat children as wealth and as assets and as a blessing. So you have, have a bunch of kids and, and raise them to pour into and have a vision for this multi-generational aspect and, and for them to have a bunch of kids and, and to train them and do this well and, and to get better and be faithful in those small things. Uh, that, that's a movement that's happening just just from a family, and you take a, you take a group of families like that in a church who all have that same kind of vision or building that way, it, it's not going to be perfect. You're, you're going to have some uh, that are going to be stubborn and, and, and turn away, or, or even if they don't abandon the faith, aren't going to catch the vision altogether. But if you get a good any percentage of your people to kind of build and do that, you will have an impact in your community. You will make a difference.
1: But again, I just want to really drill this in. These are multiple disciplines of the Christian life. If you are working so hard, but you are not in God's word, you are not praying over what you are doing, you are not dependent upon God for every <laughs> breath you take and action you do and seeking the accountability of your church and pouring yourself in there, it's it's going to fall apart. It, we're not then passing on the correct things to the next generation so I think it's just it ties all these together that when you lose some strands but keep others does that make sense yeah. like it's it's the whole tapestry <laughs> is what we're looking for right
0: and it's having a, a a thoroughly biblical worldview and trying to be a faithful Christian which isn't just excelling in one area. It's following Christ down this narrow path, which includes all these things, which is why we're talking about all the different Christian disciplines, right? because those are aspects of things we need to focus on, and some we're going to struggle with and not. Um, just knowing where, where our time is on, on this episode, and, and we don't want to overly burden our audience, um, I just want to end with with, with this uh, Scripture passage from Luke sixteen ten through 13. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So go forth, live for Jesus, and build for your children's children. This is the Reformed Faith and Family Podcast.